You are now listening to my dad's podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to our podcast. In this session, which I'm kind of excited about, we will cover the new Enhanced Recovery After Surgery C-section guidelines from the ERAS post-cesarean section study group. This manuscript has been accepted by the American Journal of OBGYN, with the lead author being George McConies from Wash U. The print is still pending, but already the information within it is changing the way that we think about and perform traditional C-section. So once again, we will cover the ERAS Enhanced Recovery After Surgery C-section proposed guidelines. In April of 2019, the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Society Guidelines were accepted for publication in the American Journal of OBGYN. The Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Society Guidelines were created to support the most common surgical procedure in the healthcare world, which is cesarean delivery. Now, it has the goal to enhance the quality and safety of the C-section technique for improved maternal and fetal outcomes. Now, the society released our guidelines in three parts. In this session, we are going to specifically focus on part three, which has to do with post-C-section care, specifically covering three areas, early refeeding or gum chewing, and we'll see what that data shows. The second has to do with heparin prophylaxis in the postpartum period. And then the third has to do with urinary drainage. Now remember, the entire part three guideline is broader than these three items, but I thought I'd focus on these three because they are really the most different from what we're doing now. All right, let's get right to it with sham feeding or gum chewing in the immediate post-op period. That's always such a great term, isn't it? Sham feeding? Sham post-op feeding, which is chewing gum, following abdominal surgery has been evaluated in multiple clinical trials and even in a Cochrane review, and it appeared to reduce the time to recovery of GI function. Now, in a separate review of gum chewing post-cesarean delivery, 15 clinical trials were identified. The regimens for gum chewing varied widely in these studies, from immediate post-op up to 12 hours post-op, and the duration of each session changed from about 15 minutes to 60 minutes, and the number of sessions per day varied from 3 to greater than 6. In 10 of these studies, the comparator group was traditional delayed feeding until return of intestinal function, which, remember, that was the sound of bowel activity. Now, in two studies, the comparator group had an early feeding policy. Now, with gum chewing, using a variety of gum types and duration of chewing, the time to first report of flatus was 6 hours in early feeding trials and 7.8 hours in the traditional feeding trials. This was a seven-hour improvement in time to flatus compared to those who did not chew gum. So once again, there was a seven-hour improvement in time to flatus in the gum chewers. Only four studies reported post-op ileus, and this was reduced with gum chewing. The quality evidence was rated relatively low, mainly due to lack of blinding. 
Now, applicability to all settings is limited as a high proportion of subjects had general anesthesia in many of the trials. Nonetheless, the ERAS study group recommended that gum chewing become an effective and low-risk intervention in the post-op period. Specifically, here is a recommendation. Gum chewing appears to be effective and low risk. Now, it may be redundant if a policy for early oral intake is already being used. However, it should be considered if delayed oral intake is planned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, now I know what you're thinking, or you should be thinking. That has to do with gum chewing, but what about actual early refeeding. Well, that's in the guideline as well. The largest trial looking at early feeding randomized over 1,000 patients to conventional feeding within 18 hours or early feeding within two hours and demonstrated a reduction in thirst and hunger and improved maternal satisfaction, ambulation, and length of stay with no impact on readmission or GI symptoms or infection. So, the recommendations from the ERAS post-op study group was that a regular diet within two hours after cesarean delivery is recommended. Once again, a regular diet within two hours after cesarean is recommended. All right, so now let's mess with our minds a little bit more because we always get a little bit concerned, especially in the pregnant post-op patient, about the possibility of DVT. So in this part, let's cover prophylaxis against thromboembolism in the post-C-section period. Pregnant and postpartum women, of course, are at an increased risk of venous thromboembolism. A variety of modalities are available to reduce the risk of post-cesarean delivery thromboembolic disease, including mechanical methods like graduated compression stockings or intermittent pneumatic compression, and pharmacological methods, unfractionated heparin or low molecular weight heparin. A recent Cochrane review assessed the efficacy of some strategies for post-C-section thromboprophylaxis. Now, in the comparison of heparin, either low molecular weight or unfractionated, to placebo or no treatment, here it is, there were no difference in symptomatic thromboembolic events, symptomatic pulmonary embolism events, or symptomatic DVT. Now, importantly, in this meta-analysis, there were few studies that enrolled a relatively small number of patients, and these were generally not of high methodological quality, so that's important to note. In addition, there were no included studies that compared mechanical to pharmacological thromboprophylaxis or mechanical methods to placebo or nor treatment. 
Now, one recent study from a large health system compared the rates of post-C-section pulmonary embolism death in the time period before a universal policy for pneumatic compression stockings to the time period after their implementation. And there was a significant reduction in death from post-cesarean delivery pulmonary embolism between these two time periods. So what does that mean? Well, according to the ERAS post-C-section study group recommendations, because of the fair to poor quality of studies using heparin in the post-op period, their recommendations were as follows. Pneumatic compression stockings should be used to prevent thromboembolic disease in patients undergoing C-section. However, according to this group, Heparin should not be routinely used for VTE prophylaxis in post-cesarean patients. Now remember, that actually may be a little bit different than the recommendation of the American College of Chest Physicians, where in patients deemed very high risk, for example, diabetes or morbid obesity and a C-section, that other group actually does recommend the possibility of adding a pharmacological agent. So we see that there's some discrepancy in this management guidelines. But once again, according to the ERAS post-C-section study group, when they took a look at the data specifically on heparin, it just wasn't of good quality and there was no difference compared to placebo. So use that information wisely, but also critically knowing the data wasn't great. Okay, as we get towards the end of our quick review of our ERAS post-C-section guideline summary, we will cover the use of indwelling Foley catheters after C-section. I mean, everybody does it, right? For at least six to eight, some for 12 hours. But you'll be surprised at what the ERAS post-C-section study group recommends. Let's get to that next. All right, now on to post-C-section urinary drainage. Urinary catheter placement during C-section is a widely accepted practice. It is generally believed that bladder drainage can measure urinary output, reduce urinary system injuries, and decrease post-op urinary retention. However, urinary tract infection is one of the most common complications after C-section. Indwelling urinary catheters can increase the incidence of UTI, urethral pain, and difficult voiding, and these complications actually result in decreased ambulation, prolonged hospital stay, and actually increased cost. Now here's a clinical pearl that I actually didn't realize according to published data. Urinary catheters do not reduce post-op urinary retention, nor do they decrease intraoperative surgical difficulties. A Cochrane review, which was five RCTs with over 1,000 patients, showed that use of urinary catheters in patients undergoing C-section was associated with increased time to first void, higher incidence of discomfort due to the catheter, and delayed post-op ambulation. It also resulted in prolonged stay in the hospital. So, according to the ERAS post-op care C-section group, here is their summary and recommendation. In women who do not need ongoing strict assessment of urinary output, urinary catheters should be removed immediately 
after C-section if they are even placed for the surgery. So once again, in women who do not need ongoing strict assessment of urinary output, urinary catheters should be removed immediately after the C-section if they're even placed at surgery at all. All right, I know this is making you a little bit uncomfortable because we're just not used to not having a Foley in a post-surgical patient. So what are we supposed to do? Just wait for her to pee? Well, that's actually what we're supposed to do. And the idea is, is that a spontaneous void is better than an indwelling urinary catheter. And if no spontaneous void occurs in a set amount of time, about four or six hours, then in and out catheterization is less of a risk of UTI than an indwelling urinary catheter left in place for six or 12 hours. Guys, I'm just reporting the data and not making a stance of it, but I know you're kind of uncomfortable with that. All right, guys, that wraps up our quick three-point review of the recently accepted and soon to be in print ERAS post-C-section guidelines from the ERAS study group. I hope this brings new information to you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Oh,